0: You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Cycling, Burgundy, birth, and Viagra. We covered all today when the Fine Line Podcast interviews me, Dotj podcast now with over one hundred thousand downloads starts now.
1: Yo, Mob Man, drop that shit. You know it's time. do, yeah, I know
2: it's time for you. grab one by the. Hand. Hello, today we are welcoming an old, old friend of mine, John Coyle, who has been in the wine business for over 25 years. He's the director of sales at T. Edwards, and he has his own podcast called Drinking on the Job, and it's a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented.
0: So excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um you know, we've, we've had this lifestyle, right? All of us. And, um, I love your podcast because it's really about, uh, maintenance. How do you keep the machine running and still do what we really, really love to do, which is taste wine, drink wine and uh, eat food.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh,
0: um, but, uh, so I'm happy to be on. And just so you know, I'm, I'm running up to Babo from here, nice. it's 94 degrees. I have like eight wines in the bag oh, because I'm covering from some, for someone who's getting married because it's not that often now they I put the bag on the shoulder. Um, That's great. Know. Who's the buyer at Babo now? There is a guy, Juan Pablo Escobar. Oh, my God. That's a great and name. I love it. And the only reason why I can remember it is because of that. Because yeah, it brings it brings, it up brings like, back
2: all your cocaine
0: years. Absolutely. Scarface, <laughs> Tony Montana. Totally. Uh, yeah, all that. that's, that's why I remember it. So. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, well, John, will you tell us how you got into the wine business in the first place?
0: Um, sure. Like a lot of things, it was uh, wo- a woman. Uh, I was in uh, California and I was... Uh, fell madly in love with this uh, semi-pro volleyball player who also loved wine, That's and awesome. being inc- incredibly goal-oriented, I decided I was going to learn about wine uh, and get very close to this woman. You, you didn't and, and so decide st-
1: to learn about volleyball.
0: <laughs> uh, no, she she could uh, kick my ass in volleyball because okay. I, I, I used to go and watch them play. And um, oddly enough, she could still drink me under the table. It's really crazy. But I started falling in love with wine. I started drinking wine. I always liked wine. Um, It's always been something I've enjoyed. Um, And, uh, you know, being from Boston, you kind of live in a bar. Um, I'm the envy of all. <laughs> I'm the envy of all my Bostonian friends. Some who are lawyers and like doctors and, yeah. and like you'll be at a, you'll be in, in town and and you know they go, hey Coyle's here. you know who he's in the fuck he drinks for <laughs> fucking <Amazing>. woman? <laughs> Like It's like the guy's a doctor. he's, he's, a, he's, and he's of you. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's a brain surgeon. I'm yeah. just like. Yeah, and they go, wow, fuck.
2: <laughs> what he doesn't realize is you actually haul wine on your fucking back in 97-degree heat up and down it's, the subway stairs for a living. But
0: it, yes, yeah. thank
2: God the drinking takes the edge
0: off of that. It, it, it's nice balance when truffle season kicks in <laughs> totally. and, you're, and you get to go to Piedmont or get invited to Absolutely. truffle dinners and drink old Barolo. So just the balance, right? That's well, and
2: it. I think something I've always admired about T. Edwards is how much Tom has valued... Uh, lifestyle balance. I remember he used to give everyone a thousand dollars when they had a baby, yep, to encourage yeah. people to have children. I, like he's just one of the most. I mean, the word mensch is what comes to me. Just a
0: yeah. good-hearted person. And yeah, uh, he's. I consider him know. a very good friend. He's I like bet. a brother to me. I thought,
2: yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um,
0: my birthday just happened, you know, and he. Happy birthday. He, yeah, and he was away, but he sent me these ridiculous cycling shoes that no one should ever pay. They're like can- made out of kangaroo. And you- oh my God. No, here's, here's the really funny part. You put them in the oven at 200 degrees What? and then you, you put, I'm oh, telling yeah. you, then you put your sock on and then you put their cycling shoe on and then you form it to your foot. Yeah. I mean, that's oh basically God. what we
1: do with the liners for our ski boots. I
2: guess that's true yeah. for that's what, yeah. I mean, it
1: seems like a weird thing to do at home.
2: But- <laughs> uh, agreed, but yes. I do, and I have those for yeah. my shoes and all those things. So I guess that's and the, incredible. And,
0: and the only thing I ever always think of is like Charlie Chaplin that uh, scene where he eats his <laughs> shoe, that old black and white movie. Because I put it in the oven, I I'm, I'm, immediately my mind goes, "Oh, where's the salt?" And I'm like, "Oh no, these are cycling shoes. I don't need salt." <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great. Um, so it's, it's you
2: you got into wine, and then how did you get to New York? Like what got so, you to New
0: York? Uh, so uh, she left. I fell in love with her. She left. I came to New York. And um, because I thought it was the best relationship I ever had Mm. and I wanted to come uh, be with her. So I did. And I got here and uh, she had an apartment and I immediately started looking to what I want to do. So I started working uh, restaurants. But um, weirdly enough, I was I got involved with an improv group. So one of the nights wandering around the village, I went to. an improv show called "A uh, first amendment that Robin Williams used to come, come to. Mm. And I was by myself and I was just blown away. And I'm like, Oh my God, how do I get into this? And so I'm backstage. The actors rag back then. Um, I, I saw an audition. So I literally went to the audition <laughs> and it's funny because the woman, so it's an improv company. It's all game-based question and answer. And so she so he calls Mr. Quality, step up and it's a black box. I'm standing on stage and I start doing stand-up because that's what I was doing <laughs> in LA And and like four minutes in, she goes, whoa, whoa, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) I'm like, I'm just auditioning. She's like, no, no, get off the stage. And then um, I talked to her afterwards and she said, hey, look, um, we do an improv show on Friday nights. We need three comics to open up. Do you want to come out at 11 o'clock, open the show, and I'll give you free improv classes. So then um, I started doing that, working in restaurants. Um, I bartended everything, managed and then in 1996 uh, or 95, I wrote a play that got produced in New York city called donkey bar, which is the pejorative term for an Irishman. And it's about drinking <laughs> as you can imagine. And Tom came to the show and said, you should, you, this is really good, but you should be in the wine business. And I remember I was thinking, wow, thanks. Uh, glad you like the, glad, glad you like the play, man. <laughs> and, uh, when the play closed, uh, I was uh, cleaning up the theater and I remember reading Sam Shepard, who's an amazing playwright, as you know, Barry child, etc. um, was still living at, uh, Poverty level hmm. when he uh, when he was a Pulitzer Prize winner and I thought I can't do this um, big Boston Irish family five sisters brother I'm like I can't be destitute so I started thinking about what's the second best thing I love is wine call Tom up and within the first uh, three months he said. Duh. I need a Chablis. Do you want to go to France and try to find me a Chablis? Now this is pre-Google. Uh, so you had to research every producer. I didn't speak the language. I'm just a total hack. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I went to Chablis with one person and found a Chablis producer Amazing. and some other stuff. And so, be- so began my wine journey. And, um, With the Michelin
2: map that you'd be like driving and it would. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pulled over on the side of the road somewhere in the road, and like, I can't find this road to save my life. And I'm just driving around. Um, but, uh, You know, I I just love this business. I really, really do. I I know I love this business because as you both know, if you're on a wine trip, some days you're tasting 100 wines in a day and you start at seven in the morning and come nine o'clock, you're eating dinner, you finish dinner at one or two because there's no such thing as fast food in France. And then you get up and do it again. Then you're in a winery. And on the fourth, fifth day of that, speaking of lifestyle, you beat the shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I always remember walking into wineries when I felt like that and just the smell of fermenting must. Would literally make the hair on my arm stand up, and I just go, "Oh my god!" I felt like I did a bump, of blow. I was just like, <laughs> oh, holy shit! Yeah, let's taste, let's taste. You know, totally. That's so um, great—the
2: sweet smell of grape juice fermenting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's great. But you know, and and back, um, you know, I'm sure we could go on these epic meals that we had traveling through France. So I was just like, you know, eating like basically subs of foie gras.
2: For me, the biggest thing that stands out is ordering the perfect bottle of wine and hands down, no matter who you talk to who has eaten a lot in France, Mm -hmm. the sommelier always puts it in a nice bucket across the room Mm -hmm. and your glasses are empty and you you can't. Flag him down. You can't. You know, it's like he's holding your wine hostage, and it's a whole game. Yeah, I, I do know yeah. from you know? personal
1: experience, though, that if you get up and start walking towards it, that they true. appear immediately. It
2: is true. Yeah. It does help. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and you and you then forget like if the you're the woman ordering the wine. Forget. Uh, oh my, my god. Mean, forget it. Just, yeah. I one
1: time I went no. to a restaurant where I was eating alone, and they gave me the menu without prices. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I was like, I that's oh not going to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and, 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 they're like someone. That's great for her dinner. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. The gentleman on table 32 would like to say hello. Yes. Um, Amazing. So I I know uh, Becky Wasserman just passed, which is very sad, the matriarch of Burgundy. And uh, I think about Burgundy a lot because everyone who goes there goes to Ma Cuisine um, and drinks great old bottles of Burgundy that uh, are at a a good deal price. Um, But, yeah, that's how I I got into it. I just uh, fell in love with it, and uh, I really kind of, it's so funny because I really beat my body up at the beginning because there's no kind of sense of uh, balance at the very beginning when you're just no, in it's this full on, you're in New York, you will eat cheese, nonstop truffles, yeah. nonstop um, dinner
2: at 1130, a huge steak and course. go out till four. And
0: yeah. then yeah. And um, yeah. And I, I, I got to the point where I started realizing it's not really good. No, I was going to survive this business. Um, You know, particularly being like, you know, Boston Irish. Lots of my friends were in uh, twelve-step programs, and I always thought to myself, I don't ever want to be in a twelve-step program because I love this too much. So I'm the the same way. Like,
2: how can I moderate? Because I never want to have to give it up.
0: Yes, totally. So, so the solution for that really did enter like health. And I started doing a lot of research on what I should be eating, what I shouldn't be eating, and, um, and exercise. And uh, um, speaking of Tom, you know, I was, uh, 2009 after the, co- the economy crashed, he bought us all bikes. And I thought he was crazy. And some people are like, hell no, I'm not doing this. But he had somebody come in and fit us and bought us all Cannondales. And we trained. And in in New York and uh, up in the upstate New York, climbing mountains and hills. And we climbed Mont Ventoux on uh, the Tour de France the day after the Tour de France, which is an above category climb, I meaning it's just so hard and difficult that it's not rated. um And it was like riding a bike up a wall for a solid you know Truly. hour and a half or so. Yeah. And um and that bike I still think saved my life. Um, hmm. They really put me in the right headset to take better care of my body. Because when you're training, you're going out in 60, 70, 80-mile rides, and you just get really lean and fit. And um, I, unfortunately, uh, um, had heart issues, which they caught in time. And they actually told me that I should have passed away because uh, mm-hmm. it was my lower descending artery, the one that provides the body with most of the heart, with most of the blood. And um, Tim Russert had, had it. They call it the widowmaker because if it gets blocked, usually it's just, a heart attack and you die, Hmm. where other heart attacks you can get saved, but because it gives so much blood to the heart. And, um, and when I went in for this procedure, they said, the only reason why you're alive is because your heart was so strong. You had all these little blood vessels from probably from cycling. And so cycling to me has saved my life. Um, and even when I was cycling, I was eating right. Um, I was, I couldn't beat my genetics. My father, a quadruple bypass at 45. My grandfather dead in his fifties from heart disease. And I figured this out before, after I got through my gluttony stage (laughs) of wine and food, that if I'm going to survive this business, what I have to do. So I cut out meat and all this stuff, cycling ridiculous. And here's the weird part. It hit me almost to the day I was going for this crazy procedure. My sister called me and said, with her boss, Johnny, I have to tell you something really weird just to the day to the day my father's quadruple bypass, I was going in for this procedure. Oh my God. And I thought you cannot fucking beat genetics. Genetics is destiny. Have a great day. The best you can do is be conscious and adjust your life. Hmm.
1: So is that, do you still cycle and not eat meat and pay that close attention? Or was that like a a phase where you were reigning it in?
0: Oh no, I still, I still, um, I'm going to do on October 9th. I'll be at uh, California doing the California coastlines a 50 mile, coast ride and there's uh eight of us me tom uh but the people from here are going out and it's for good cause it's for zds um their of uh, the father uh, uh passed away uh, from lou gary's disease and he tried to beat it uh a, he was a scientist um and so he's trying to beat the cancer himself uh, and uh and he really did a great job, and you know, eventually he passed. So all this money gets put into the foundation for um, alternative treatments. So it's a good yeah, thing. But yes, great. so the long answer to, yes, I still cycle, I still take care of myself, uh, and it's important to me because I have two kids. Yeah. And I look at them. So I did this, like, um, uh, rewired my brain, for, for lack of a better um Uh, way of putting it. I used to look uh, like, I used to eat so much meat and I've eaten ortolans. I mean, the Mm -hmm. weirdest, everything I could put in my body. And now uh, I just started looking at my children. And when this kind of happened, I I really changed my diet. I was like, I I look at meat and I see death and Mm -hmm. I look at cheese and I see death. Although I got to say sometimes Reggiano, I I, I roll the dice. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's a dry cheese. It's a dry cheese. Uh, But you know, I've So when like friends would go, oh my god, come on, you know you want a piece of the steak. I look at it and I just see death, and I say no because I want to be around for my children. Yeah, it's not an issue for me. I'm like I could care less. Yeah, Yeah.
1: you're like I, you know your priorities now. Yeah, there are a couple yes, other
0: grosser terms we
2: can use for dairy and um, meat, and I won't say them
1: here, but it, it does help a
0: lot. Yeah. To think I do, about so I do that. I do negatively. that exactly. Yeah. I use those words in my head. So it's like I don't know how anyone drinks milk. I'm just like, Oof. oh, it's disgusting. Oh yeah. my disgusting. god. Yeah. I like really cow pus. Is that would you want to? No, no thanks. So that's kind of like <laughs> well, a way of of training my mind. So
2: I think. Like, with the passing of Becky and, you know, we were supposed to interview her in October and she and I had emailed last week and she said, I'm sorry that I um, haven't followed up about a time, but I've had this virus and I just, I think she was in the hospital for a couple of days. And I was like, no problem, we have plenty of time, I'll reach out to you in six weeks or something. and You know, we might not have plenty of time. And um, so, I think you're really right to like look at it as we can't take it for granted, you know, and and unfortunately it does take people passing a lot of the time for us to like, I mean, listen, we can't live every day like, oh, I might die tomorrow, but there has to be a balance between I don't want to die tomorrow and, you know.
0: But small adjustments are, are really what it's about, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, instead of having that third cup of coffee, have some tea or get up in the morning and, you know, jumpstart your metabolism by just do just simple, like, I'll do like 20 push ups and 20 squats before I take a shower, before I get downstairs. Just, yeah, it doesn't take much. Like that. Yeah. It doesn't
1: take a lot. Yeah. No. Well, it's, but uh, it, but I think it's also a mental adjustment. You know, you had a moment in your life where you decide where you started to really care about your physical and mental well being, and not everyone, just has that true you know you have to you have to decide to take care of yourself yeah
2: Yeah, i think for me i'm just a dog that needs to be run in the morning and it's like (laughs) it's my antidepressant i mean i'd probably be on meds if i didn't work out every morning but it gets the serotonin going and i really cannot be myself without it i just i'm not like I i have to exercise
0: yeah so you've hit this place where it's like brushing your teeth right right um, and by the way, all the studies, of course, say if you exercise, blood circulation is, it, it fights depression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but it's, it's strange because we're in this, uh, you know, this huge ecosystem and we're responsible for our own ecosystem. But as we see with this pandemic, it's like we're all connected. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really sad is you don't hear Fauci. You don't hear the president. You never heard anyone talk about the fact that, like, you know, the people who die from this disease, 78% of them are obese.
2: I know. Um, no one's talking about nutrition. Why isn't somebody
0: talking about nutrition, yes. your, your gut biome, which is your you know, first defense against disease, and nobody chats about it. But yeah. And, and it, it just gets... So last year, a big farmer spent $300 million lobbying in Washington. And it's just, that's why we never hear anything about nutrition. There's no real money in it, right?
2: And doctors um, get one day of training in their entire years and years and years of training on nutrition same with vets that's why i don't listen yeah. to my vet about my dog's nutrition either it's like they don't yeah. know they don't uh, have you ever been in a hospital and
0: see that mcdonald's are in the bottom floor oh, for, for the food or
2: just the food they serve you like that's it's, gonna make I, you sicker
0: i know I the would, jello you know. <laughs> i i i now tell you Look, well I, I will go off subject here but like why is it like these little blue pills, these Chialis, these Viagra, like, if, you know, like, what is wrong? How many men are, are walking around who can't get it up, which is really <laughs> sad. Right? It's clearly sad, quite a sad. few. Really, clearly, but also there's so much money in it. But like, yeah. if you're a guy and you're having these problems, maybe you're like, my circulation doesn't work because I'm ridiculously <laughs> overweight and I have a shitty fucking diet. Exactly. Uh, and Good then, point. but then they market it. And look, look at the. But look that at the, takes
2: um, effort, and taking a pill does not, yeah. you know? I mean, so. <laughs>
0: It's it would be like my wife's definition of a nightmare. We me walking around with a seven hour. <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> I can see her now, yeah. No, that's perfect. Come on over here. I'm gonna hang a towel on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call
2: me in six hours and 30 yeah. minutes yeah, exactly.
0: and, and could you get better marketing because guys are just let's be honest just pigs what wait i might get a seven hour erection and that's just one of the warnings but they know it's marketing to guys going, but then at the end they're yeah. like
2: they're like may cause heart disease anal bleeding <laughs> right. you know I mean? like, the things they say at the end it's so, it's so and you're like oh my god is that worth it is it fucking worth it oh. but yeah,
0: so how's the how's the wine business so you so we drink we drink a lot of like by nature now i tend to. Look drink lower alcohol wines mm-hmm. I, I do like i'm not like what i love is like so i'm not a kid so i like natural wines. so i'll have to do i'll go to a tasting whatever and i feel like like you know i have some like younger guy come up to me and i'll go like don't you just fucking hate these natural wines <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like the like the the lone like black guy at the really rich white party and the one white guy wants to come over and talk to me about basketball I'm like, dude. I like <laughs> fucking wine. I have an open mind. I, I get it. There's lots of flawed, shitty natural wine, but there's a lot of brilliant. It's come a long way. Yes, wine. it has. Do you That's remember going used. to the
2: first biodynamic tasting in the city? I remember, like, I remember being there. Julia Pope was there. Like all these people that we know and love, and mm-hmm. the wines were horrible. I mean, like yeah. everything was re-fermenting. It was like, yeah. I mean, this is you know, 20 years ago. So, it's come a long way, obviously.
0: But, you know, what's crazy is just you like... you feel this- better the next day, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Drink, drink 11%, you know, alcohol wines, totally. um, and the next day you wake up and nothing. You feel yeah. fantastic, right? Yeah. So, it totally makes sense to me. But the, the same thing they did with the vaccine they do with natural wine. Why do we have to politicize everything? Yeah, yeah. right. Like, if you go to Frenchette and you return to wine, I've had friends go there. One of our guys from Paris went and he had a, 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 a uh, Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc. He said it was like drinking nail polish. He was smelling, <laughs> He's like, and he, and by the way, this guy finds natural wine. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry. And they were like, you don't understand the wine. Yeah, He didn't say like, no, no it's I, I'm just in the wine business. Flawed. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's just fucked up wine. Yeah, yeah, But that's the, you know, it's just like this reflex of like, yeah, you wouldn't catch my father drinking that wine. Yeah. Probably because <laughs> it sucks, dude. Yeah, because
2: your dad drinks, you know, silver oak or whatever.
0: Yeah, right, right.
2: But yeah, I think that uh, it has. There's a dogma around it. I mean, I work for a natural wine company. I don't even know what natural wine means. Like there is. I mean, it's just it's so Mm. silly. You're right. It has gotten Mm. politicized.
1: Um, Matt and I, my husband, Matt and I, one of our favorite things to do is to look at each other really seriously and go, what does natural wine mean to you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great. Cue the what soft a, music totally. in the background.
0: Yeah. What is love? <laughs> 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 what is love? I you know, also like,
2: yeah. love the fact that you were a stand-up comic because I, I, I literally, know. of all the things in the world, and I consider myself a girl with a fair amount of cojones, Mm -hmm. but I think that would be the most terrifying thing on the planet to do. And I like comics to me are like what other people consider rock stars or music, you know, artists, whatever I like to me, comics are God. And I just, I don't know how they do it. (laughs) It's gotta be terrifying.
0: So I had this revelatory moment uh, when I was thinking about doing the podcast and, uh, because it was supposed to be a television show that never took off. it got to a final stage and I was furious for a year. And then I thought, what can I do? Well, I can do a podcast, even though I don't know anything about tech shit, I'll just figure it out. <laughs> and then I thought, I'm going to launch it with a live show because I had this, idea, I, yeah. Cause I had this re- idea of like, when I was like in my early twenties, I went to California, I bought a car, I lived in my car. Um, and I was trying to do standup out there and had, had some success, but I was, I was looking back. Now there was that day when I was talking about this podcast and thinking about it to myself, and I thought, what gave me the incredible courage to like do that. And that's a part of me that I don't want ever to go away. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I should do, I should do a live show. I should open the show with a 10 minute monologue. And so I started doing, I did probably 10 of them. And, and sometimes people would cancel on me. My favorite one was, um, somebody canceled on me and a buddy of mine called me and goes, do you know um, Amy Stiller? I go, sure. You know, Ben Stiller's sister. She's done some movies as well. And he goes, you know, um, she's working on some one-man material, a one-man show. You should give her a call if she wants to be on it. So I literally called her on the way walking over to the venue <laughs> and said, hey, Tom says you to give you a call. I have a 10-minute spot if you want to come down and talk about show, but you got to weave an alcohol." And she's like, oh, easy. I used to work in a restaurant. I was a coach on the Upper West Side. Perfect. So she came down, but then I would have like another night, somebody would cancel. And on the way over, I would get a call and I would go, wow, I have to fill 15 minutes. Yeah. And then I started thinking, like, it's just an exercise, a Zen exercise. I'm going to hit the stage and I'm not going to let one person know that I ain't even remotely nervous. And it became this test. for myself, where I would just hit the stage not really know what I was going to talk about and just kind of go through it and be as calm as possible. And it was just kind of an exercise, an egomaniacal exercise, yeah, because it was all about me, but I had to fill the spot. So I was just like, "All right, I'll do it. So I'll get up and tell another story. I'll make my monologue longer. And it was a great start for everything for me to really get everything going. And I feel like I did awaken that spirit again. That's
2: great. That's great. Yeah. I should put in with comics on my pedestal, of course, surfers too.
0: Like, pro
2: surfers. So let's, let's not, you know, put those in second seat.
0: No, 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 absolutely. Surfers are, uh, they're aliens from another planet that can go out and like ride those waves totally. and have that sense of balance. And ju- they're just different, Yeah, which, you know, we, uh, we um, have to, uh, have to applaud. So how is the wine business in Colorado compared to New York? Unless uh, your experience? It's very
2: different. I would say, first of all, there's only one New York, so mm-hmm. you can't really, it's not fair to compare them. I think what New York has is volume, and mm-hmm. that's probably true over almost every other place, mm-hmm. except maybe LA, um, San Francisco. and. But what I've been really pleasantly surprised by, and I, I wasn't super surprised. I chose this place because of this, but the sophistication level is here, which is great. Um, it's interesting to learn that Denver is really a lot of kids who love natural wine right. and um, Boulder's much more classic Aspen and Vale are more classic. So, you know, we were, we had Anthony Lynch Kermit's son on here a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago and he said what he learned living both between France and the States is about regionality and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, how different he would have been if he'd grown up on the East Coast and, say, Paris as opposed to Southern Berkeley California. and
1: yeah. <laughs> or Northern California. Yeah,
2: Berkeley and, and Provence, and you know, I think Colorado definitely. People call it a purple state. It's very red or it's very blue. Right. And. Um, and New York too. I mean, my God, like I wasn't ever going uptown for dinner. Fuck that. Like <laughs> I was downtown or nothing. Like, you know, New York is almost even more neighborhoody. You get really specific within. Yeah. Here. So,
0: Although, you know, I think those, what's happened is expanded into Brooklyn and you have like, you know, the cool, great restaurants. Now there's a ton of yeah. great stuff happening in, in Williamsburg and yep. uh, the hipster. Uh, but, yeah. Denver's um, yeah.
2: like Brooklyn. And uh, and uh, boulders more like Manhattan. That's uh,
0: that. it's so funny because I was I was tasting um, the Punta Crena, the Lumasena, mm. uh the the white, which I just love because it's like eleven percent alcohol. Yeah, it's just a gorgeous, beautiful floral mineral wine. And today on 93, 93 degrees, I will take it, and that'll be in my bag today.
2: Nice, <laughs> awesome, yeah. But it's fun. I mean, I just love the life here so much. I mean, New York just you know, it was time to, I think unless you make a gazillion dollars or you just love living in a city, but that was not, that's not, my soul is happy here. I hike every morning with my dog and it's just a great, my kids are free range, you know, it's yeah. really nice. So, you
0: know, we just moved back to Brooklyn like three years ago. We sold our house. We were in uh, Maplewood, New Jersey, which is a great That's right. Town. I forgot about that. Yeah. And uh, basically my daughter was off. My son didn't really want to go to school there. Our taxes were ridiculous ridiculous um, yeah. so we moved back to brooklyn and my wife is a doula so oh, all her cool. clients are pretty much in new york awesome um and uh and you know me in my office in tribeca that's uh, so where i do most most of my podcasting from as well unless i'm on the road and i have a mobile um but it's uh yeah it feels nice to be back but now we're thinking we want to find a little house upstate to escape on thursdays because we we do love you know, being out in the country and yeah. same thing. That you need to decompress from the city. It's yeah. a lot of energy. A hundred percent.
2: You kind of do battle the minute you walk out your door every day. It's <laughs> intense. I yeah. could not have gotten through my births without my doulas. Like the I mean that is God's work right there.
0: <laughs> it's it, a pretty intimate it, experience. Yeah, it is you know. crazy. I, I, I told Gail it's and she, well she tells me, she says it's, it's more of a calling. Um, I'm because sure. because she had we had kind of a tough birth with Mia, although um we, her water broke. We went to birthing center, went to a hospital and she was really bummed out. And then, um, uh, I actually delivered, uh, with the midwife, Mia, I pulled her out because the midwife said, do you want to, I, I said, I want to help as much as possible. And at one point she says, okay, come on down here, <laughs> <laughs> grab her. <laughs> Let's and go. Uh, my, my wife said, all she remembers is me like, when Mia was coming out, she said, your Boston accent was as strong as i ever <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's a baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's so funny. So pulling me out and midwife looks at me and like, Oh, I guess only like a New York midwife could. She goes, you know, they have two shoulders. <laughs> and I'm really like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, Never delivered a baby before. caught yeah, me a little slack. Amazing. <laughs> um, but it was great. And then we had Harry at home. So mm, nice. um, That's great. Which is great. So we have Mia, a Mia and a Harry. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's God's work for sure. Yeah. Advocating for women. Um, mm-hmm. um, but she, she loves that job.
1: Mm. Mm. I want to ask about the wine business in New York, since you both have been a part of that for so long. Like, what <laughs> have you seen change? And what do you think, where do you think it's going in the future? Mm.
0: Uh, I would say there's not as many white tablecloth restaurants, mm-hmm. the more casual uh, and casual service. And God knows you can't get service staff now anyway. So no matter where you go, <laughs> casual service.
2: Whether they <laughs> it like sucks. it or not.
0: Yeah. Um, but New York is one of those places. It's just a, it's just a fountain that continues to, you know, the energy just keeps coming here because people open five, $6 million restaurants. Um, so that's still happening. I find, but I definitely find more casual restaurants. I find, the biggest shift is the push to retail and direct to consumer. Uh, retail has exploded, particularly because of the pandemic. I mean, it's people are putting up like holiday numbers in July and June. And yeah. um, that's the biggest. And I think uh, what we were talking about, the the uh, kind of orange wine revolution, the natty uh, revolution has really taken hold. Uh, I mean, there's like, you know, um, the wild world, which is like these natural shows, kind of like um uh, what's the famous natural wine uh, show that everybody goes goes to? But oh, raw wine, maybe. Yeah, raw. Yeah, yeah, raw. Yeah. I mean, those are packed. Yeah. You go and you can't. And the tickets are seventy five bucks, a hundred bucks, and they keep going up. And I guarantee you, people would still continue to pay. Um, I think I, I think it's a good thing, in, just because if you have so many more people caring about how they're farming. What people are putting in their bodies, um, we all we're all going to benefit from it, right? As we've seen with this climate change crap. Yeah.
1: Do you think so that, That's the biggest. Do you think the young people who are starting out really interested in natural wine um, also are starting out with a better sense of taking care of their bodies in general, in terms of exercise and mental health?
0: I don't think so.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't either. I, I just, I just I thought don't. I'd throw it out there. <laughs> I agree. I don't
0: think so either. No, because you. you're you're because you, when you're... Yeah, when you're, you're like, young. Why, why, 20-something, you can walk in front. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Yeah. You walk in front of a fucking train. You're like, I'll be okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I only drink natural wine in Fernet. It's fine.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: also think a lot of younger people got into more natural wines and satellite appellations because the things that John and I got to drink Mm -hmm. were too expensive. For sure. And they are too expensive for the two of us now, too. But, um, you know, the Loire became their option and things like that. And those regions had a lot of natural wine Mm -hmm. producers. And then it also was a cultural thing, yeah, happening, but I do agree with you with the less formal dining. That was a nice shift. Like, remember when we started out, it was all French, yes French maitre d's, French everything. They would just yell at oh, you yeah. all day long, yeah. yeah. um yeah. And then it uh, became, I don't know, it just became Danny Meyer yelling at you. No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, not not yelling, just not a, yelling. A, but, a, uh, nice, no, a nice, no, very uh,
2: totally different ethos. Yeah, I
0: don't, think, yeah. yeah. No has its has its own wickedness, but in a very subtle way. <laughs> totally. I, I think the mea culpa, like, oh, you know, I should have really had more diversity. It's like, yeah, but you know the you know, you pretty much said, you know, I'd love to hire midwestern types, and I don't know if, if about you, but that's a pretty much a code word for I'd like to hire white people.
1: white, white Christians. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Easy. Know, like said, I'm from
2: the Midwest. We're not uh, all Christians. No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what the other cool thing I, I like about this is as far as like change, um, the Loire Valley that you mentioned, you know, to me, it's like this rogue kind of, you know, artist colony, right? And Liz, when we were selling wine, or Emily, when you were drinking wine back then, um like, you couldn't sell Cab Franc to save your no, life. Chinon, than. oh, my God, like, what? The pyrazine, the green notes, the herbal, like, no way. Um, and now, oh, my God, you can't even keep the stuff in stock.
2: Dude, it's my first job was with Andrew Bell, and we had Jura wines. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that went Not well. about the Jura, sorry yeah, about the Andrew part. Yeah, I know. Um, no, six yeah, no. <laughs> six longest months of my life.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Except for Boulay. That was the six longest yeah. months. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, But yeah, I mean, you were selling wines and you couldn't give zero away. Now, you know, Ganavat is like allocated items and you can't buy it. It's too expensive. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's freaking crazy, but I think that's a, that's a good shift. That's a good shift. Lower Valley is uh, on top of having just really difficult vintages. Seems like every other year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Really? The the fact that people still want the wines and, um, and they're affordable. Yeah. And, Usually low alcohol and mm-hmm. hit on all those notes we you know just mentioned. So
1: no, it's such an incredible region of quality. It's nice to see people more open to it and appreciating it. All right. And maybe
2: one of the regions, and I, I hate to say this because it's gonna come across incorrectly, but where global warming maybe has helped a little bit because sure. the cab front can get a little riper and yep. it's a little, you know. So we don't want global warming, but but in like improved farming plus, you know, now we're getting to the point where it's tipping it too far. Even in Burgundy, it's like improved farming and warmer temperatures actually was a good thing for Burgundy for a while. But now we're getting to the point where you're getting these extreme weather patterns, and sure. it's detrimental to I mean, everyone.
1: We're like also ten the ha- years into extreme weather patterns yeah. in Burgundy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Also, I think what's uh, nobody talks about too is, um is the I was talking to Sam Ehrlich, who's like a Burgundy expert, who I love. Oh, a really I good
2: friend of mine. him. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. Oh, my God. I, I'll see him tomorrow. Give him but, a know, humongous hug for me.
0: Right. We were chatting about the fact these this global warming, particularly in somewhere like Burgundy, um, when you start to get higher alcohol wines, I mean, the 2018s are, are booming at 15%, 14, 5, 8, oh all, all the way up, um, is that you tend to lose the typicity of mm-hmm. the terroir. Yeah. They all start to taste the same. Mm-hmm. Now, that'd be okay if they were 20 bucks a bottle. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know, but like you're talking now, everything's a hundred dollars a bottle, an eighty dollars bottle, and if you can't distinguish, why would I? And I think what I I hope it doesn't happen, but it seems like it's already happening. People are steering away from Burgundy and looking to lesser known appellations, which might be a good thing as well. Mm-hmm. So,
2: and I think that is also a similar problem with some natural wine when you start to get into a primarily carbonic. Way sure. of making wine, and then to me, you you have a a carbonic style. It tastes like carbonic, mm-hmm. but it maybe doesn't taste like the place.
0: All the time, right. I have this, and which with is all the fine. like natty wine geeks, yeah. yeah.
2: Which is which yeah. makes sense in the Beaujolais, where it's always been the style. Right.
1: Well, but, or again, it's like, if it's 20 bucks a bottle and it tastes good, fine. Right. But, yes.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've had refusco that's been carbonic macerated and just like, and, I, you know, and I've helped some people get their MSs on the blind tasting part of it because I'm a good taster. And I'm just like, tell me where this wine's from. I will bet you like any amount of there's no way anyone in the world is going to tell me that that's from Fioli. because it's <laughs> it's carbonic. So, because to your point, carbonic was really Beaujolais mm-hmm. and, and Rioja back in the day. Right? I mean just juicy forward, which I which I love. But now it's kind of destroyed the whole idea of terroir, which kind of is funny because it's a natural wine and it, you know, there's all this bragging about how cool it is. And again, I, I like Harmonica. You put a chill on those wines, it has a place. Yeah, it
2: has a place. I remember Emily and I went to Santa Barbara. Uh, I don't know, four years ago now. Mm-hmm. And Raj had us over for dinner, Raj Parr, which was yeah. lovely. And he served us a wine blind and he said, what is it? And I said, definitely Santa Maria Pinot Noir. It has that spice, <laughs> it's got, you know, it's got right. that smoky thing. And he was like, it's Burgundy and this is where wine is going. And one of the things I love about Raj is he is so open-minded. Yeah. Like he is not yeah. dogmatic, that it's right. not the Burgundy of 20 years ago. He's like, this just is, you know. Right. And and I learned a lot from that, actually, from just accepting that, like, it's okay. There'll still be people that are making... I also don't want the super hard-as-nails Burgundies of 20 years ago, either. So, right. you know, there's improvements on all fronts.
0: But yeah. I, I yeah.
2: thought it was interesting <laughs> that, that uh, there... I, I wasn't getting the terroir that I
0: associate with Burgundy. I agree. I'm Speaking of that, um, Henri Gouge, I've never had a bottle of Henri Gouge that was open. Keep waiting. <laughs> 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. Totally. People, oh, I got this. Oh, my God. I got it because it's like a it's a 2010. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Keep me posted. Yep. <laughs> I remember like, when
1: I was in Burgundy in 2012 and we kept watching all of these tourists come and ordering all the 2005s and oh. we just kept being like, don't. Do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: going to be backwards. <laughs> Yeah, the, so that's that's the problem though in Burgundy that we're, we're chatting about it's the price point when it, they become homogenized or this is the new Burgundy it's not the Burgundy twenty years ago then what am I paying for why aren't I just drinking Santa Rita Pinot more that right. twenty five dollars a bottle right. I mean you get a bottle of Chambolle Musigny from Freddie Mounier right now the current vintage in a wine store is two seventy five wow two fifty wow so why
1: right well I will wow. say part of what's really important to me about the wine business is supporting agriculture and people Great, yeah. you know family business. Right. And so I do think there's something to be said for support and loyalty as things change and not that we have to buy the same quantity of wines as they get more expensive and perhaps sometimes less enjoyable. Yeah, but I do think that we have to think about who we like what businesses we want to survive.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely.
2: But, but, you know, it's funny. These guys are not in risk of not surviving. (laughs) Two seventy (laughs) five But I a hundred percent understand what
0: you're saying. I totally agree too. But like, we were just talking about Loire Valley and you go there and like, I mean, I, this is a sad note, but you saw the amount of suicides—like three suicides last year—in yeah. um, the Loire Valley because another bad vintage, and they can't pay their bills. Yeah. And like, and, and to your point, Burgundy—you pull up, and there's three Land Rovers in the, in the garage. Yeah, you know, like. But feel, it didn't used to be feel that feel be way. Okay. I mean, when I started oh,
2: with wines, I had to close out Burgundies every year. You know, yeah. I, it's like, and that was 04. So. Did you have Camille
0: Giroux? Right, I did. Oh. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Do you know what? You, let me tell you. So I love you. Those great for this. old vintages. Yeah, and I I I always speak highly of you because I will never forget because in our business there are some real just competitive assholes. And if I ran into Liz and you had that wine, that's why I remember, and I think you had 1976 actually, because it's a warm vintage, and you were at at the time I think it was beacon. And you were tasting somebody and you said, Come on over, you want to taste the wines? And I was like, Wow, she is so nice. Of course. <laughs> How cool. I mean, hello. Of course you, yeah. I, no, but I was just like, You're generous. Aww. And you don't see you don't see a lot of that. But you I was
2: generous to you because you're also generous. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. have okay. done that to Many other people (laughs) who will Um, remain
0: nameless. Sure. Okay. Right. Uh, (laughs) But thank you for saying that. That's really nice. And you can't get out with answering my questions to close my podcast. Uh, So now you both take such great care of yourself, you've outlived everybody. (laughs) three dogs. We're like cockroaches. Everybody. We're like the last point, people like, on earth. Right. You're like, Oh fuck. We should have started smoking when we were 90, <laughs> but now you're, so now it, it, you, you feel it's coming and it's going to be your last day on earth. So what are you eating? What are you drinking? And what piece of music are you listening to mm. as the eyes close and the music starts to play? So let's start with what are you eating? Go ahead. Em.
1: I, I'm a weird food person. I, one of my dreams you mentioned earlier eating ortolan and i have never eaten ortolan but i like literally fantasize about it but i love quail so my last meal would be just the legs frenched into little quail lollipops and i would eat 90 of them that's a strong
2: (laughs) strong and what are you drinking and listening to
1: grand cru chablis nice because like most of the times in my life that i have accidentally cried while drinking wine that's what I've been drinking um, and and the you know the music piece is hard it's hard to I don't know choose but I think I think I would say uh, temptations by Tupac
2: nice oh okay very cool
0: very cool
2: I would say a really perfectly cooked pork chop where I can like grab the bone and get all the yeah. fat off of it. Some good crispy potatoes. I mean, it's kind of basic, bitch, but it's like, and a great, beautiful salad. And um, maybe Reyes. I've had some very religious religious experiences with those wines. Or obviously White Burgundy. (laughs) And I would probably have to listen to Prince. Beasties (laughs) or Prince, it's both up there, but I'm Minnesota girl.
0: It's okay cool prince. <laughs> yeah uh what, what's the uh, prince song he did a version of i think it's a joni mitchell song or she did the version i i could share a case of you or drink a case of you it's oh, this weird I kind of know. wine reference it's beautiful i'll send it i'll send you the link to yeah, it yeah
2: i do and um, we always end with ooh, something you're excited about and this can be something that you it could be personal it could be global whatever you want which is something you feel kind of positive about right now in a world of a lot of weird stuff. Going on. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I'm i looking forward to us to getting out of the point where everything is a, just an argument. Yes. And I always, I constantly think about what is the solution to that. Um, that's something I'm obsessed with. I just don't know, know the answer, but I, 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 think about it all the time. And what I'm psyched about is this kind of practice I started uh, probably in the middle of the pandemic because I had to find something to, to keep me focused. And I thought, uh, before I get out of bed every morning, I lay there and I think, how am I going to be the divine version of myself today? How Aww. am I going to be... The best version of myself today. And and I sit and really think about it. So I think about who I'm going to interact with that day, what's going to happen that day, uh, put more, you know, um, love into my exercise, um, make my wife breakfast, make her happy, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I really do try to start my day like that. And that's what I'm, that's my solution to it. So God, I think it. I'm
2: going to cry. That is like a beautiful sentiment and such a wonderful thing to aspire to every day. It's so easy to be cynical. I definitely, you know, definitely fall into that down that path. That's beautiful. Yeah. So thank you for ending on that. That was a really nice perspective shift.
0: Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.